Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, September 28th edition, technically the first of two. This, Well, technically, this would be considered the September 27th edition. Unfortunately, some family issues uh, prevented me from doing the show last night. Uh, fair warning for those of you who generally abide by our schedule. It may affect some things through this weekend, uh, mainly the weekend show if when we, when myself and Showdown Joe may do that, it looks like the Vince Russo and Matt Riddle shows should happen as scheduled. Uh, but this weekend's UFC show, and I'll also be talking Ring of Honor and hopefully Bound for Glory, uh, maybe at some point. I don't know what time that one will be yet. I'll keep you guys updated on Twitter at Fightful Online or at uh, Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter and, of course, on the website, on the forums, things of that nature. We have TNA sales stuff to talk about. We have uh, WWE SmackDown Live last night to talk about. Talk about, But first, we're going to talk about DraftBeast.com. Yeah, I don't care what's going on in my life. I am not too busy to take your money. DraftBeast.com is the place where you want me to take your money. Go to DraftBeast.com for the most fun you will have in daily fantasy sports. Their goon games are my favorite. You pick the most penalized players. Fontes Perfect is back this week. If you don't have him, that's a problem. Lots of fun there. Also on it, uh, use the supplements that guys like Cesaro, Sheamus, Roman Reigns, Bailey, Triple H, Adam Cole, CM Punk, and his opponent, Mickey Gall, they all use. Uh, I use it to help me work 60 to 70-hour weeks here at Fightful.com. I love what I do, and the, the likes of Shroom Tech, Alpha Brain, and New Mood really help me out. So go to our podcast page at Fightful.com slash podcast soon to be updated, mind you, and uh, open up any of our podcast pages, click that blue on it link, and support the Fightful podcast. I am joined by Jeff Hawkins of Shake Them Ropes. Jeff, how you doing? I've been staring at this camera for 17 hours waiting for the show. Oh, my God. No, uh, <laughs> happy that uh, happy that Burfect's back this week. That's what I'm happy about. I am, too. Oh, and congratulations are in order, Mr. Verified by Twitter. 
I did get verified by Twitter. How did how did that ever happen? I don't know. <laughs> and Rob Rob asked me if I submitted for it, and I was like, "Well, if I knew I could submit for it, I would have done that a long time ago." <laughs> see now, Rob wants to be now. see now. Rob wants to be verified out of professional jealousy. Uh, no, I can't have this. I cannot have him trying to be. Verified. I don't. I don't buy. If that. he eats a hat, he gets verified. That's the deal. I'll, I'll go with. Oh, that. he would. He absolutely would. Like they. <laughs> He would get like a sponsored verification. Yeah. Like lids would sponsor lids. his. They would go to bat for him. Oh, I'm sure. I'm positive. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I joined the likes of some of my famous followers like Pac-Man Jones and P. Diddy being followed. Also, Showdown Joe, Vince Russo, Matt Riddle, some of our other verified members of Fightful.com. We got a lot of stuff going on right now, Jeff. This TNA thing. Oh, <laughs> do we actually have Boy. movement on that or is that just chatter? Kind of, kind of. So, you know, for Bound for Glory Week, I schedule a lot of interviews. TNA wrestlers are real good about giving people interviews and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want I mean, you can pretty much guess who I was going to interview the people, but there were like four or five of them. Right. Uh, people that, you know, I'm friends with, people that I've never interviewed before. There were a lot of them. And every single one of them had to back out. Oh, that is I, that I, is I, interesting. I'll say I'll say I'll say three, and one of them hasn't. Okay, had gotten back to me, but it's past my scheduled time to have interviewed them. So, but three of them did have the courtesy of letting me know, and I got the same. T- uh, the, the big one told me, "Listen, I'm not that up on." what's going on right now. And I don't want to ignore the issues because I think that's disrespectful to everybody who reads it. I respect that an awful lot, man. Uh, the talent is kept very much in the dark about this. Oh right yeah. Now, and this and they've, been, situation. they've been jerked around for years almost on a lot of things. So I would expect them to be in the dark until it actually happens. Um, what, what interests me in terms of the, for right now, the chatter is how everybody, <laughs> Everybody needs to kind of slow their roll on the value of this video library because we're in a post DVD streaming market. All right. Sure. There's some tape of guys like Samoa Joe and AJ and things like that, that the WWE, should they win a bid of some kind get, but in terms of their overall product and value, I think they're just more interested in having something like a trophy than actual value of a video department because DVD sales aren't what they were. And for the most part, they've always just kind of wanted to be in control of the history of wrestling. I, I don't view that. I don't view this as a something that they'd overspend for because it's going to eventually come back to them. For they, they want Dixie Carter's taxidermied head on their wall. Oh yeah, that's what right, they, ne- right next to Vern Gagne and Jim Crockett Jr. Yeah, TNA has some talent that would be of of great help to WWE. I mean, they're, they're guys that, you know, Abyss way past his prime. That's a guy they wanted 10 years ago. Probably not going to do anything now. There are some people I could see them like, you know, the Hardy Boys, EC3. There are a couple guys maybe for, for a cruiserweight division that would be used here and there. But a lot of the talent are guys that WWE wouldn't touch, mm-hmm. whether they were available or not. Like a lot of them. Yeah. Or and some have actually, you know, been outcast of WWE by now and haven't rebuilt their brand to the point where they'd be interesting. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I 
I'd be more interested in seeing most of them go to NXT just to fulfill that and have a mm-hmm. battle of Orlando and, and up the touring brand a little bit more, some of the more name guys, but you know, I don't, you could, I, I you don't could want, extend NXT to 90 minutes. If yeah. TNA's talent gets brought, I don't over. want guys losing jobs, but it might be time for TNA to go away. It really might. The, the thing that I said to an employee, I'm going to make sure I get the, the text right. I said, in regards to Dixie Carter, at what point do you swallow your pride and avoid other people losing their jobs, more people losing their jobs? Mm-hmm. And they replied, no shit. Okay. No shit. So that, that's the general consensus among TNA talents. Uh, another talent told me that there are like so many different entities at play with different uh, motives. I believe that. And that's both inside and outside the company, mm-hmm. I was told. Because when I asked them to elaborate on it, they said, well, from the outside, you got people who want to buy it maybe for a library, maybe for a time slot, maybe to keep it going, maybe to just sit on it. And then you have people in the company who have different motives. Billy Corgan wants it to thrive. Yeah. Dixie Carter wants to save face. But the, the irony of this is, and it shows you how colorblind the situation that she is she is losing face she's been losing face Mm -hmm. she would have saved more face if she sold to toby keith and jeff jarrett two years ago yes because if it would have thrived then she would have made some money if it would have failed then it would have been on the shoulders of jeff jarrett and toby keith Mm -hmm. totally agree it's yeah it's it's a really weird situation and um also a quote i was given 95 percent of the people backstage from the cameraman to the the wrestlers want Billy Corgan in charge for better or for worse. Now I'm not that up on how resistance pro went. I'm not, I didn't follow resistance pro. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I just wasn't a follower of resistance pro. It wasn't what I was covering at the time, but I know it didn't work out with Billy. I wonder if it would work out any different now. And he said as much today publicly, he said, I don't want to keep putting money into this if we are in the same situation in three months, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can see why staff would be excited because it would be a totally new philosophy, I think. I think a totally new dynamic. I mean, I think Corgan's positives are his creativity. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sure as a businessman on the day-to-day stuff how he'd do but there's also a danger here for those guys backstage who are saying how much they want the new guy in charge. It may mean they're not part of the new reimagining of the product. And that's going to be the danger is what percentage of carryover does he have in terms of people who are advising him, people who are on say creative aspects of the staff, how much of that he keeps, et cetera. Because if you're putting a new general in charge of the same army, sometimes you get better results Sometimes you're going to get the same results. Yeah, it's it's a very – it's a touchy situation because from what Billy Corgan said on SiriusXM, he doesn't know if Bound for Glory is going to happen this Sunday. And mm-hmm. that, is, that is way different from what the talent have been told. The talent, that's the one thing that I was told that they weren't kept in the dark about was Bound for Glory. They were told it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Uh, mainly, probably so they can make sure the talent will actually show up on Sunday. Yeah. But Billy Corgan just went out there and said, if it happens and I am in that ring, it's going to be a crazy night if he's out in that ring 
well, that's that's not what talent's being told. It might open and, with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan in the ring. It could. And, you know, I'm always one that says, don't work the boys. Maybe this is a situation where you kind of have to because you can't put all your cards on the table. Because right. here's the thing, Jeff. If talent's talking to me, I know they're talking to other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're talking to lots of people. They're talking to other talents. They're talking to people in other promotions. They may be talking to people at the head of other promotions. So, yeah. do you think Bound for Glory is happening this Sunday? Yes. I do, too. I don't know what will happen after that, though. Uh, Billy Corgan said that he has stepped in at the last minute for the last three television tapings. Mm. And the ink was drying as they went out to the ring. Like, at what point do you just say no more? At what point do you sell to somebody else? Like you said, it should have been done two interest groups ago. <laughs> because there were rumors, and Vince Russo has said that he didn't hear this, but uh, all, all respect to Vince Russo, if anything involving Spike, he probably wouldn't have heard about because they didn't want them working together. But there were rumors a couple of years ago that Spike offered to buy a portion of the company, which would have kept them on TV at the very least. Well, let me let me go with this. The brand DNA is so damaged that even a name change to me would not be enough. You would have to overhaul this roster to the point that guys are losing jobs. You'd have to revamp this entire presentation in some way. There is a lot more work to be done than just an ownership group, and it may not be worth the effort for the new owners of the company. Corgan very much does want to change the name of that company, and Jesus, that's another thing that should have been done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I remember when Fightful's own Vince Russo came out and did a promo in like 2003 and said one of the reasons that he pitched that name was so – it would be called Tits and Ass Wrestling. And that was in a promo. Maybe maybe some maybe a very little truth to it. Maybe just a coincidence. But I will not speak yeah. ill of your fellow co-host here on the Great Fightful Network. <laughs> He'll let you have it. He'll let you have it. Oh, if I you know do. he it's will. Okay. I know he will. That's one of the reasons I don't want to. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this situation is is and the Billy Corgan thing, we have a full report on Billy Corgan and what he said on Busted Open Radio coming from John Morehouse. As we speak, he's working on it. It's just like – and it's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's trying so hard to save something mm-hmm. that was put in this situation because Dixie Carter is not good at running a wrestling company. And maybe he's not good at rest- running a wrestling company either. I don't know. But – um this all really started to go downhill, not with Vince Russo, as you know. And I'd love to poke fun at, at Vince Russo, but uh, it's not Vince. It I, was they gave a lot of money to Bischoff a lot and of Hogan. People. Bischoff and Hogan to me is when when the real death knell started, and then you know my I watched it for a while. I had come back to the fold to see you know what they were going to do because it looked like they were making some improvements and then aces and eights happened, and then that just became preposterous at some point, and I just said, I can't watch this anymore but give me Gail, yeah. give me a Gail Kim horsewomen feud. I'll take that 
every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, that's another person. Like, well, I don't know how what kind of terms she's on with WWE, right? Because at one point she she rolled under the ring and <laughs> yeah, the battle royal left. Like yeah, left. But Maria and Mike Bennett, maybe them. Uh, Gail Kim would be of interest. Maybe a cherry bomb. Probably everybody with Hardy in their name, including Maxwell. Mm-hmm. There are a few people, but like I, I don't see like Marty Bell, Grado. Uh, I, I don't see people like that. I don't, definitely the Tribunal. They ain't coming back to WWE. No, they were lucky that they got picked up by TNA. Like, and and even then, I was like, why, why them? Why them? Bobby Lashley, maybe. Sure, Lashley, if he if he's interested, because yeah, he and WWE weren't always on the best of terms either. I could see them grabbing like maybe a Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett, somebody like that, just either for NXT or maybe it's like a one-time cruiserweight yeah. appearance type yeah. of thing. They do have some assets, but they are so far in the hole. And it's like, what are you buying TNA for? I get it. The time slot. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Sinclair wants the time slot, but I'm like, God, if you guys try hard, if you just let them close down and you try hard enough, you could probably get it on your own. Like, it's it's not worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You know what I mean? Nice. Uh, nice cliche. I love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, Ring of Honor got on Destination America themselves, Mm -hmm. and it was a very short relationship, but it's one that they have went on record saying, we don't regret that at all. It helped us out quite a bit. If those two companies could find a way to merge, that would make me happy, because then you'd have kind of a viable second one. Unfortunately, you wouldn't have anybody really running it who could run it like the cutthroat business it is, but you know what, that would be my... Optimum. I think 90% of the talent gets laid off if yeah, that happens. that's probably true. Because there are very few people like, like – I don't know. Like there, there's so much just the, – the, John Gaborg's hirings, you know, and I, I get mixed – you're going to have mixed reactions based on anybody in talent relations. You are because mm-hmm. half the people are going to like him, half the people aren't, and everybody who got their job from him is going to like him. But he hires a lot of the people that do the same things. Yeah. That are that look the same way, that wrestle the same way, that have the same kind of personalities. You know, guys like Eli Drake have broken out, and he's—I think—he's very, very, very entertaining. But you've got so many guys who just do the same exact things, the same exact things. But Corgan has been making a play for full ownership, and he—he's not looking for other people to chip in. Yeah. He's doing it. Which the thing is, it's like if he did look for other people to chip in, I can't imagine it would be that hard. I'm sure there's some weird psycho Smashing Pumpkins fan out there that happens to be like an eccentric, wealthy man that might be like, here's some money, here's some money. Well, you kind of went through that with Smoky Mountain with uh, Rick Rubin doing that. But for me, I mean, the guys who would approach Billy. He's working with Rick Rubin, isn't he? I think so. Right now, I think he's working on a new album with Rick Rubin. Get Rick Rubin involved. Uh, he lost so much money on Smoky Mountain. I don't think he'd uh, ever do that again. But I think all the people who would approach Billy at this point would be your usual suspects in the wrestling world. And I don't think he wants that. He doesn't want people nipping at his heels about that. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. About 12 years ago, it's 2002. I can't remember. It was early to mid-2000s. There was a, a father of a friend that I had 
who knew that I was, I like loved wrestling. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what I know now, obviously, but he was like, I heard that TNA wrestling is for sale. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. I just remember him specifically saying that. And he's like, maybe I could look into it. A very wealthy guy. Instead, he invested into a bowling alley and he has made substantially more money than TNA <laughs> has since then. Well, you know, Thursday night rock and bowl, you know, those beer sales. Yeah. I just, I always remember that. And I'm like, I remember thinking back to that guy and I was like a bowling alley was a better investment than a property that would go on to have Sting, Hulk Hogan, (laughs) all these big names working for them. It's really weird. But yeah, this, this Billy Corgan thing, this TNA thing, it's, it's a very weird situation. And I fear for the people that, that are in TNA. There's some, I don't fear for, you know, I, I don't fear for, for Matt Hardy and EC3, I don't fear for those guys because they're going to land on their feet. They're going to find jobs. They're going to find good jobs. They might find higher paying jobs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about them. But there are some people in that company, and we won't name names, but you can run up and down the roster and take a look at them. I fear for them. I fear for the cameramen. I fear for the few people that work in production. I fear for, you know, a lot of people. So, well, that's that, you guys. Uh, we did have SmackDown last night. Yes. That's a thing. And I'm still – I'm actually being messaged by someone from TNA right now. So if I hear anything about this while we're on the air, I will uh, update you all. SmackDown Live last night. Man, I love The Miz, Jeff. He was fantastic last night. He was – Per usual. Well, this was a different level because everything seemed to come together here. His presence, his promo, that video package that they ran on him, what he was saying and the storyline, everything, you know, kind of congealed together perfectly for him in this angle. And I'm not going to shade Dolph Ziggler either. I think Dolph was fantastic in this promo uh, with The Miz. In fact, I think, you know what? We know these guys watch other companies' promos when they get some juice on them. I think he may have been glomming a little bit from the Christopher Daniels ROH promo in some way. Yeah, I got that kind of vibe from it. Not not really not really stealing, but an homage, so to speak. But no, the Miz here, fantastic performance, especially when he heard him putting the career on the line, and it's just like that that kind of. Weasley, oh, what did you say? Type of thing. It was it was so great. He was the superstar on this show, to the point where I'm worried Raw will be stealing him sooner than later to get this personality back. Well, he's brought the best out of uh, Dolph Ziggler as well. Oh yeah, Dolph Ziggler I thought was very good too. I love that they brought in the family. They don't, you don't see that a lot as much these days. So him using it was really great. I thought Maurice. Standing in between, because normally, you know, if, if you bring up my family in public, I'm going to beat the living shit out mm-hmm. of you. And that's what Dolph Ziggler should have done, but he didn't want to go through Maurice to do it. So I like that she knew to get right in between Miz and Dolph Ziggler because, you know, I'm not going to beat up a woman in order to get to this person. So that, that was good, too. The video highlight was really good. And the career versus title thing. Interesting, interesting, uh, 
interesting direction here. Yeah, you know what's funny to me? Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I love that the Miz quantified it with, okay, this isn't one of those 30-day deals where you're going to NXT or you come back in a mask or something, which was something he did when he put his career on the line. Remember when he came back as Mr. Canada sure, or the, something? The Calgary kid. Calgary kid. That was it. Um, I, You know what? For me, what stood out here is this may be the first promo of its kind from Dolph where I actually felt like he was feeling the emotions he was portraying on the screen. His voice broke. Rather than just like yelling stuff really loud or something to that effect. I, I was really, yeah, he felt something, his voice broke. It was a phenomenal acting job by both of them. I really liked it. I like the career versus title thing. If you do career versus title, you could put it in a set. If, you know, I'm not ruling out that Ziggler could lose this match because you can always do a trade. You can always do a free agent signing. You can always do something like that. But uh, generally how these work is, you know, the other person wins. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. What happens if Miz gets DQ'd or Ziggler wins via DQ? Then, then think, well, then, then it becomes, it becomes kind of like that, uh, Jeez, oh, like the becomes like, exactly like, how like, I think WWE would book something oh yeah, like this. Well, it becomes the best of seven series. Oh, well, we'll solve it on the next episode <laughs> and see what happens. You know, maybe they get put in a tag team together then against the champs, like Sheamus and Cesaro. Yeah. I was over the moon about this segment. I really liked. It. I did too. I thought it stole the show, to be honest with you, and I think it was supposed to. Right place for it too in Cleveland. Perfect mm-hmm. place for it. Exactly. I love. I love backstage the Miz. Yes having his picture put like right next to LeBron James. Fantastic. And I, and, I, and you know what the, the actual, you know, Miz lived so long on the cheap sports heat promo that him dropping that LeBron James being a traitor fits so well compared yeah. to him. I, 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 you know what? That was good usage of the cheap heat from sports, especially Absolutely. since they're both Cleveland guys. Guys, if this is your first time checking out the Fightful podcast or not, and you just don't visit the site, go over to Fightful.com, register for a free account. You'll never have to pay a dime, never have to enter credit card information. When you register for Fightful.com, you get access to our soon-to-be overhauled forums, columns from Showdown Joe and Vince Russo, four or five of them a week from those, those guys combined. Podcasts, early access to podcasts from Matt Riddle, which we do uh, Thursday afternoon, former UFC star, now wrestles for Evolve, had some WWE interests as well as Vince Russo on Friday afternoons. What we do is uh, we go live with those, then we put those up on Fightful.com exclusively for members of Fightful.com for the first several days. So Fightful.com and registering is the way to get those. You also get exclusive backstage news. Uh, I had the reports of the stuff that I mentioned about TNA up a couple days ago uh, exclusively for members. Also, if you just visit Fightful.com, you'll have dozens of updates every day, whether you're registered or not. Uh, tons of news updates from the worlds of MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. We have more live viewing parties than anybody else in the world. I'm talking everything on Fight Pass, Ryzen, UFC, Bellator, WWE, TNA, hopefully, Ring of Honor. Everything you can think of, we have. We're covering Ring of Honor, All-Star Extravaganza Friday, TNA Bound for Glory, hopefully Sunday. Uh, you get Brandon Howard's financial analysis, uh, the monthly Wikipedia true or false segment. We've had exclusive interviews with Cyborg, Chael Sonnen, CM Punk, Daniel Cormier, Muhammad Hassan, EC3, 
former UFC heavyweight champion Josh Barnett, and of course, five to seven podcasts a week. Alex Palowski's reaction articles, the most entertaining recaps you will ever read are from Alex Palowski, my friends. Go visit Fightful.com. Bookmark that stuff. Share it in Facebook, Facebook groups, Reddit, Twitter. All that stuff really helps. It it, uh, really contributes to our success. We want to make this your kind of site. So uh, let us know what you like and what you don't like. (sighs) I know that I like Heath Slater. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with him losing here. No, he's perfectly fine losing here because he's a geek. It gives the. I, let me preface this. Sorry, American Alpha, Heath Slater, and Rhino against the Usos and the Ascension. Right. Um, Slater ate the pin. Slater ate the pin. He ate the pin how he was supposed to in terms of getting his knee hurt, much like Chad Gable did. Uh, I'm worried American Alpha are just becoming guys on the roster. I hate it. They should be special. Yeah, I agree there. Um, I was intrigued by the choice of the Ascension. Not that the Ascension don't need a win here and there, because God knows they do, but I thought this was kind of a missed opportunity if they had teamed the Vaudevillains. No, the Vaudevillains. Why not Vaudevillains? Why not the Vaudevillains? They're dead. Yeah, they're dead, but they have that kind of vicious style on this main roster that would do well for a win with the guys like the Usos who are also kind of doing that Revival-esque old school work on a body part and make a guy tap type of gimmick. I thought that may have been a misstep, but you know what? Watching the Ascension celebrate when I never thought they'd get a win this year, fascinating stuff. And I think the Slater story is still very, very intriguing. Somebody on the board asks, is Billy Corgan working with Rocky Mountain Pro because he knows TNA is dead and he's trying to get jobs for people? That will not replace full-time income. Also, these TNA people, like a lot of times with their contracts, they have to book them through TNA. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like, I mean, Rocky Mountain Pro wasn't sending anybody to TNA. So it's not like that. It's just her, individ- Marty Bell's individual booking with Rocky Mountain Pro that she's doing. We also started off the show. Oh, God damn. I hate this Randy Orton Bray Wyatt stuff. Oh, yeah. It's corn. God, it's so trash. It's cornball. It's and it's not just cornball. It's bad. It's poorly shot. It it's trying to glom a bit off of the TNA Matt Hardy stuff. I think in some ways, I, you know, but it's not so. It's not like the the type where it, it looks like intentionally bad though. Right. It just looks like they suck at producing it. Well, it's it's their it's their motivations. Like like just the simple thing of in horror movies switching. You know, they they go against the grain there and switch the camera angle to somebody else's point of view. Well, wait, you're just like that. Just takes you out of the whole thing. But still, I mean, who who's scared of Eric Rowan anymore? Just because he's big, he's big and can't put one foot in front of the other in terms of a match, in terms of guys beating him all the time. So why are you scared of a guy you can beat on? You know, it's be scared of abyss. The, the, abyss the, might be taking his role. The killer in the house type of trope that they did with Orton showing up there. I mean, Bray Wyatt's still talking loud, ain't saying nothing. And, you know, he's an interesting character, but they never follow up on it. It's, it's just a one note type of thing. And Randy Orton's not the most dynamic baby face in the world in terms of both promos nor being sympathetic as a baby face. So just want to throw this in there. I wish they would hire Jason Kincaid and put him in the Wyatt family. That man is incredible. Ooh, that'd be 
Yeah. He's great. Mm -hmm. He's so good. What else did we have? Yeah, this Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt stuff, it's just trash. Mm -hmm. It is garbage. It's horrible. I'm done with it. I was done with it the last time they feuded. You know what? Maybe they never feuded. I'm pretty sure they did. But even if they didn't, I was over it. (laughs) I didn't want it. These two could be doing much different, much better things. I'm so over it. Okay. So over it because this show every week would just be even better than it is Mm -hmm. if this shit wasn't shoveled in our face. Let's move on to happier things then, Sean. Let's move on to happier things. I think Carmella's (laughs) been pretty badass since this heel turn. I agree. She has all the – I mean – Look, her, her her wrestling is getting incrementally better, but her poise as a heel is really, really good. Now, her promos still need work because yes, she's do. still because because they've been telling her to go to her catchphrase and it's and and that's a recipe for disaster. But she has that kind of bitchy Miss Thang thing going, for lack of a better term. I'm sorry. Where did that come from? The f- okay, oh. never mind, Hawkins. Just just continue as if you have a good point. Um, I'm Man. interested in this winning streak against Nikki, too. It's actually become very, very interesting for me, watching her outsmart Nikki week after week after week. I think that part is really good for Carmella here as well. I, I always think that's a storyline they could go to if they really, really play it up, that like somebody like Nikki Bella beats every single person except for like just somebody like Carmella. Yeah. I always thought that that was a good thing. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, like he could beat anybody in the world, but he couldn't beat Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it's kind of like an MMA, like in the old school MMA thing. You could beat any fighter in your division except that one guy who's really good at wrestling who would always just pin you down and like hump, dry hump you for three rounds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, Carmella and Italia got the win here. I'm digging it. I'm digging the Carmella stuff. I think it's good. They've committed to it. I'm fine with it. I Yeah, I, I think that here we are again. Like I said, we were talking about how thin that division was, but the difference is they've applied to this division. Yeah. The, I'm uh, ready to watch Alexa Bliss against Becky Lynch as well. I want to see that. Yeah, one, one more note on this. As bad as Carmella's promos have been, Natty is still an all-time worst promo. She's, oh, she's terrible. so bad. Let she's her terrible. talk naturally. Please. Speaking of talking naturally, did you watch Talking Smack? I did. And I was interested to talk about it eventually. <laughs> Becky, Becky Lynch, what did you think about that? I thought, you know what, other than a couple of times where she did have to go to her quote-unquote catchphrase, which was a bit cornball, this is great. She's really, really good on the fly and doing this kind of improv stuff and just being when she's – yeah, she was talking re- up a fight. She was she was required to be real and talk up a fight. I mean, that's all she had to do, and that's all wrestling for me in terms of my old school love should be. So I I loved this. The, just continuing on talking smack, unless you want to hold off until the main event, we can do that in terms of the Cena promo. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Well, let, let's hold sure. let's yeah. hold off on that until we get to the main event. But I did like. I did like Becky Lynch yes. on Talking Smack. She is a real proponent of maybe change the way that you do things. Um, yeah. I liked the beatdown Alexa gave her during the entrance. I liked that with the exception of I think she should have taken the belt with her. 
Because that's yeah. a, that's an old school heat move to just take the belt and declare yourself the champion because you have the belt. I like that move, especially for this burgeoning division. And it hasn't been done in a very, very long time in terms of actually owning that you really think you're the champion because you have this title. Um, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to those two matches, and you know they'll probably add like Naomi versus Natalia on the pre-show mm-hmm. or something of that nature just to do it. Sure, why not? Because uh, those two that that's another good thing they've done. They have had two central programs, but they have kept Naomi and Natalia very involved in this. Yeah, so they're not just just off the show. They're yeah, still and involved. And it's kind of new person with veteran. New person with veteran. New person with veteran if you do Naomi and then Natty as well. Because Naomi just kind of coming back from injury and whatnot, you know, kind of needing the fresh start is how I justify that as her being new. <laughs> sure. But – yeah, I really liked it. I, I've, T, er, not TNA. SmackDown, well, TNA too. TNA can be a more digestible show. We use that word a lot. but Right. Then you go two hours. The difference between uh, what I would normally call a decent, mediocre show versus three hours, man. Not only that, here's the thing. SmackDown Live is really two and a half hours because you got to watch Talking Smack. Yeah, it's the best. It's it's the best show that the WWE does week in and week out. Definitely, without a doubt. What else did we have on this show? The Orton thing. We're not talking about that. That was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. AJ Styles versus Dean, Dean Ambrose, world title. John Cena at uh, ringside. I've liked. I liked. Really, really liked the Dean Ambrose promo last week on Talking Smack. That was. Yes. The edge. The edge. That is the Dean Ambrose that people wanted and expected coming out of the shield. But it is not what they got. He called John Cena a part-timer and trashed him for doing like Nickelodeon award shows and flying on jets and riding in his own van and not dressing with people. Cena kind of let him have it. He said, you're right. I don't dress in the same place. I don't ride in the same stuff because I'm taking care of my body so I can do this other stuff. And he says he's not leaving WWE. He wants to do it all at once and said that uh, it's not that he doesn't like Dean Ambrose. He doesn't care about Dean Ambrose. This show is line. (laughs) Yeah. This show is so must watch. It, it is. It's very interesting. They're towing a line of danger, though, for me in these promos. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy them. I enjoy the quote-unquote shooty style yeah. of them. I enjoy that they actually feel like they're building fights at the same time. But there, there is an underlying disturbing trend for me in these promos, and it's something that ends up dragging down Raw a lot. All these promos, be they face or heel, are all intertwined with the company politics of WWE. And especially on this Cena promo, it became clear to me that the company is both, quote-unquote, the main babyface and the main heel here. It's not that John Cena wants to be champ for his own legacy and to have the money and the star and to be the champion. It's so that he curries favor with the front office so that he can continue to do these things that plugs WWE projects. He's a guy who loves the company when the company on the other show is a heel, which is a problem to me when Dean Ambrose is talking about these, uh, you know, he's a part timer who, who goes on Nickelodeon. That's branding stuff. That's advertising stuff. I don't want in a wrestling show in a pure quote unquote, pure 
wrestling show. I don't want to hear about this crap. That's the stuff that interests people at a board meeting. That's not the thing that interests me of something you're fighting over. Money, yes. Exposure on various television properties, not so much. You know what I'm saying here? Sure. And it doesn't help that these are better than the promos that are written for them as well. I, I agree. And yeah, they are. And that those are all more cynical marketing, branding, buzzword type things to make the company, you know, everybody, you know, the, the, and exactly the main angle on raw right now is does who do Hunter and Stephanie like best? Who do the company like best? And that's, I don't want a feud over a title to be about who do the bosses who run the company like better as a champion to be a quote unquote face of the division. And even the women's title is about that. Now the face of the division. You had Conor McGregor in peak form at a press conference earlier in that day. Showing how it's done. Showing everybody how it's done. Just be a jerk. And, and, and I'll be control. talking about that with uh, Showdown Joe later tonight, guys. Big show coming from myself and Showdown Joe. Mm-hmm. We're talking UFC 205. We're talking this weekend's Portland show. We're going to talk about Cyborg a little bit. We're going to talk about his experience at Ryzen. Our own Showdown Joe did uh, color commentary or play-by-play, rather, with Heath Herring at Ryzen. Nice. Can you believe uh, – just to throw a little MMA in here. This company made Charles Bennett – Crazy Horse relevant again <laughs> in one weekend. One weekend. Let me put it this way. Crazy Horse. <laughs> I, I, I have nothing but love for Crazy Horse. He is such a loose cannon. It's like him and Shoney Carter. If you told me Shoney Carter was coming back, I'd, I'd be all over that. And, and I, have, yeah. I have, you know what, Keith Herring. I always had a man. That dude, for me, his entrances with the dusters and stuff are always must watch. So good on Joe for getting the gig with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Charlie Horse having a having a throwdown with old Vanderlei, huh? Jeez. Yeah, showdown Joe was there. He it, he was at the front desk when it happened. So I can't wait to hear his side of things. Raw's rating this week. It was low. Expected though. I mean It was low. But it But I'll say this, we found out that we found out that about seventy percent of the raw audience doesn't give a shit about America. <laughs> they don't give a shit about other pro wrestling when pro wrestling is on. I mean, yeah. that's all that that debate really was. Oh, before you move off of MMA, this this Ryback Bellator story. You want to talk about that? Let's talk about that. That's a disaster waiting to happen. This, this is a guy who was bought into his own phony tough guy gimmick. Don't get me wrong. I don't know well, what kind of fighting experience he has, but he looks like just a I had muscle a guy, guy that said that. that I had a guy that said he'll make have no problem making heavyweight. And I was like, he might not want to make heavyweight. He might want to fight at super heavyweight because at super heavyweight, he might be the guy. Yeah. Based on pure athleticism, he might be the guy because you guys have heard me talk about this before. The level of talent above 265 pounds and really above 250 pounds in MMA is a duty because to be honest with you guys, big guys like that, can't fight very well, and if they can, they can't fight very well for very long. I'm grouping him in with that. Is, is, he can, is Ron Waterman available? I, I threw I threw that name out there. <laughs> I remember I said watching that on, him. I remember watching him on on one of these King of the Cage specials when uh, what became Axis. There used to be these two channels, like then they'd show like old UFC pay per views and King of the Cage, where 
Waterman was on the same special as like Forrest Griffin. I think Diego Sanchez was in the tournament or something like that. I just go, oh, God. I, mean, I remember Waterman because you, you find all these great dark matches from 2001, 2002, and it's got Randy Orton and Shelton Benjamin and John Cena, Batista. Yeah. And then it's like Rico and Ron Waterman are just thrown in there somehow in a lot of these. I remember Waterman, like, I think, got head and arm triangled by a smaller guy or something like that. I just went, oh, yeah. there you go. But yeah, no, I mean, super heavyweight, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Jose Aldo says he's going to, once his Debbie or UFC release, because they booked Alvarez versus uh, McGregor. What do you think about that? Whining. That is just garbage. Look, you got knocked the F out by the guy. In like 20-some seconds, you have to rebuild that brand. One fight with Frankie Edgar, who also had an axe to grind before that fight in terms of getting passed over for title shots. You don't hear Frankie Edgar wanting to get let go, okay? He's a man. He knows he has to rebuild his resume. And also, plug your fights more. Talk a little more smack. Buy into the game of selling fights a bit more. And maybe they'll put you on there because Eddie Alvarez gets it. Conor McGregor gets it. Aldo doesn't. There is nothing left for McGregor at 145. He knocked out the interim champion in 13 seconds. Number two is Frankie Edgar coming off of a loss. Number three, Max Holloway. McGregor beat him with a torn ACL. Ricardo Lamas, number four, coming off of a loss. Number five is Cub Swanson, who has lost, who is two and two in his last four. Uh, number six is Anthony Pettis, who washed out of the 155 pound division. Mm-hmm. And the names below that, no disrespect. Well, he just beat Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, it didn't happen. It didn't have to happen in a cage, but he beat Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens at the press conference said he pointed at McGregor and said, "This guy TKOs people. When I knock people out, they don't move." And McGregor waited a few seconds and says, pardon my French, but he says, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I had a point. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no, Nate Diaz had the perfect comeback on Twitter. So let me know when Dana gets off of Connor's nuts or vice yeah. versa. I mean, which one? It's like, yeah, okay. Nate gets it too because Nate's probably going to get millions for the, for the rubber match. So, Yep. Yep, and he is – Content to sit there and wait. This UFC 205 card, we'll talk about it briefly. Now, we have said this on many occasions. Most stacked <laughs> card in UFC history. It's going it to fall apart. Don't, like don't, 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 don't get. Well, the good thing, the good thing is if it falls apart, it's still, still going to be matches. up there. Yeah. This could be split into three pay-per-views and be three good pay-per-views. I agree. It's going to be really good. The the return of Liz Carmouche. I'm excited about that. That's under the radar. Are you really? I haven't seen her. Fu- I yeah, like I like I her a lot. Him. I love Liz Carmouche. I I do. I thought I you know <laughs> that first fight against Ronda just made me a fan for life. So yeah, I'm and especially the builds for it. So yeah, no, I, it's great. But she's being brought in to be fed to someone. Yeah, the girl that she's facing, who I just. Just realized she's on. I'm Facebook friends with this girl. Didn't know that. Nice. That's weird. Yeah, I was. I didn't realize who she was booked against. Yeah, uh, a very, very good opponent. But 
Liz Carmouche has, has fought once in the last two years. You also have former Bellator champion Lyman Good against uh, Titan veteran Bilal Muhammad, Jim Miller, Tiago Alves. Tiago right. Alves is a guy who was, let's see, didn't he? Yeah, he was in a title fight at UFC 100. Mm-hmm. So that's already two former title challengers and a Bellator champion in fights that nobody's talking about. Right. Tim Boach, who is the definition of the word man, if Silas yeah. Young were an MMA fighter, he would be Tim Boach. He I won am, a fight via European uppercuts. <laughs> for the love of God. I, I will I will never talk bad about Tim Boach after the uh, uh the, the Jap, Japanese guy he came back against at their uh, camp. You should know Kami. You should know Kami. Yeah. He held him up against the cage with his left arm and then mm-hmm. just went underneath that repeatedly. Was, that may be my favorite MMA performance of all time. <laughs> it's great. I'll never say anything bad about him because I remember he, I think he broke his hand or something like that against Costa Filippo. Yes. At UFC 155. In between the rounds, he said, I think I broke my hand. I think it was that. And his corner goes, do you want to quit? And like he, he responded immediately in like disbelief. And he goes, fuck, no. <laughs> like, I can't believe you think that would be an option. So then the, then the card really picks up. Former champion Misha Tate against Raquel Pennington, who Raquel Pennington, if she, there were a couple of different judges in her fights, she would be 7-0 and in the UFC right now. Yeah. Because Holly Holm split decision, Jessica Andrade uh, split decision. That's a big one. Tim Kennedy returns to take on Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans, former champion, moves down to 185. Frankie Edgar, another former champion, against Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens uh, just slaughtered Hennon Barrow in his last fight. Cool, cool with that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I think I think Edgar's gonna dance around him for three rounds after the initial onslaught and just batter him. But that's me. Perhaps Khabib Nurmagomedov against Michael Johnson. Yeah, Nurmagomedov should have had a title shot a long time ago, but he got hurt mm-hmm. repeatedly. Michael Johnson. He does what he does. He's on the rise. I mean, he he's one of those guys where if he's really he, – he'll have those lapses where he'll lose a fight he shouldn't, and then he'll go on like a three-fight win streak. It's very weird. I, I like yeah. him a lot, though, from Ultimate Fighter, but I think I think Khabib's going to kill him. <laughs> Cerrone, versus, Cerrone versus Gastelum. Chris Weidman, former champion, against Yoel Romero. Sure. Joanna Janjacek defends against Carolina. Uh that's going to be a banger. Man, ain't nobody, Joanna. No, ain't nobody being Joanna. I'm sorry. I watched no. that that her last fight live in Vegas. She's she's a beast. She was a star at that presser, too. Oh, yeah. Big star. Tyron Woodley defends the welterweight title against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and Eddie Alvarez defends the lightweight championship against featherweight champion Conor McGregor. Damn. Yeah, that, co- that co-main is really the only one where you just kind of go – yeah, it's a title fight. It's like having a Demetrius Johnson. It's like having a Demetrius Johnson fight. Oh, come on. I love Demetrius Johnson. Oh, I do too, but I mean in terms of the general fan base, in terms of their excitement sure. for a Demetrius Johnson fight, they just kind of go, "Eh, but he's a bunch so, of fools maybe." Oh, I agree. He's so great though. He's so transcendent that that, you know, for me he's must watch. For some of my friends it's like, "Oh, he's just going to beat the guy." <laughs> so Also born in Kentucky. Here's a good one. Chris Cyborg just cracked the UFC pound-for-pound rankings. She can't be ranked anywhere else, but she cracked the UFC pound-for-pound rankings. That's a first. 
Keep calling out Rhonda. Keep calling out Rhonda. Keep calling out Rhonda. That's all she's going to do. Yep. Indeed, guys. Fightful.com, it's the place to be. Visit, register. I've run down the, the list of features that we have and exclusive interviews. And we have one with former NFL star Ray Edwards, now a pro boxer, coming up soon. Elijah Burke, the Pope. Yes. Love this Pope. week's Wikipedia, true or false. Best TNA entrance music ever. Yeah, yeah. wish he was still wrestling. Uh, Jeff, tell them about Shake Dem Ropes. Well, I'm going to be recording it in about 10 minutes after I get off with you here. <laughs> um, Rob and I are going to go over Clash of Champions, Raw, SmackDown. Who? You know, that guy is supposed to eat his hat and it's not verified. Voldemort? Yeah. And our top 100 match to see before you die is from one of the best years of wrestling ever, 1989, from Chi-Town Rumble. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. It is a magnificent match. I cannot wait to talk about it. If you want to follow the show, you can follow Rob's account at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. If you want to follow me at Crap Game 13, I want to leave you with one last WWE question here because it's been percolating in my mind all day, and I'm going to hit up Rob with the same thing. One of my hot takes this week was stolen by about four other podcasts, three of which didn't attribute to me. So, and it was about Raw being a show about a wrestling show while SmackDown is more of a straight wrestling show and how we kind of enjoy it in terms of the politics, the office politics, the general manager, all the authority figures are not as heavy on SmackDown. Is there a possibility in your mind, Sean Ross Sapp, that they keep Shane and Daniel Bryan off SmackDown because they are so popular so as not to overshadow the authority figures on Raw. So you're saying perhaps a conspiracy political? Yeah, well, not, you know what? I'm not going to go that far, but just kind of a a agreed upon philosophy amongst creative. Perhaps I wouldn't rule anything out. To be honest okay. with you. Because I can be very cynical at times, so I have to I have to bounce these ideas sure. off. I wouldn't rule anything out. Enjoy. We've heard much weirder things. I mean, Vince McMahon had a self fulfilling prophecy in regards to Rey Mysterio. <laughs> so, there there are plenty of self fulfilling prophecies that I'm sure that he would look to achieve. Guys, I am back later tonight with Showdown Joe. We're talking all kinds of MMA, all kinds of MMA. Oh, I'm looking. Join us to at Fightful.com. That's the best place to be. You'll get early access to a lot of our podcasts that you don't get on Fightful until days after. So visit Fightful.com. Tell everybody. Go to birthday parties that you are not invited to. Interrupt them. And while in a big crowd, just plug Fightful.com. It's the place to be, guys. Until later tonight, we are out. Bye.